Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track of the Storm podcast. My name's Brandon. That is my trusty co-host, Matthew Soma. And tonight, we are happy to welcome on the lead sports editor from the North State Journal. And also this year, which, by the way, I just found this out, like, was it last night, Matt? <laughs> uh, Monday night, yes. Yeah, it was just a couple of nights ago we were talking about this. But also contributing for The Athletic now. Don't know how I missed that. But Corey Lavalette. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking some time to come on and talk a little Canes hockey with us, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Well, we're going to start out the way we always do when we have guests on. We know about you through Twitter. We know about you through your writing. But oftentimes, we never really know too much about the person behind those words, tweets, whatever it may be. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey and getting to where you are today? Uh, I'm just a set of teeth that makes people mad on the internet. <laughs> um <laughs> No, I'm a, you know, I've been a journalist my whole life. I went to college for journalism in, in uh, central New York, uh, was sports editor of my college paper, then editor of my college paper, um, you know, veered out of, out of sports journalism a little at the start of my career. But then uh, I worked for a publishing company in Durham for 15 years uh, that uh, did college sports. So I was telling Max Pacioretty a little while back that uh, I designed covers with him on it when he was playing at Michigan. It was kind of kind of surreal to you know where where both of us are at at this point uh to kind of reconnect with him a little bit but um yeah I did that and then uh you know been working there but then always you know I didn't do a lot of writing then uh but still loved writing and uh started writing for hockey's future for everyone who remembers that um did that for a while then Bob Wage who uh started Kane's Country and this was before the SB Nation days um reached out to me I was actually in my wife is from Buffalo and we were in Buffalo and he sent me an email and he's like how would you like to write with me and that's kind of how I started writing uh for Kane's Country and uh that actually morphed into you know being with SB Nation and things like that and it just kind of trickled off from there the North State Journal opportunity came up I had been like I said I've been doing design and editing and all sorts of stuff and uh, as a startup newspaper, you know, statewide newspaper, and they needed someone who could do a little bit of everything. And uh, that's how I ended up at, at North State Journal and uh, started off uh, helping out in news and also covering the hurricanes as uh, the two beats. And then uh, if, if anyone knows who Will Brinson is from he's from CBS Sports, but he was the sports editor at the start. Uh, after Will left, I uh, was promoted to sports editor. So I've been doing that since it's been, uh, I guess, 
more than five years now um, and then still covering the team. And then you mentioned I uh, opportunity to do a, to do a, something weekly for the athletic now. So that's been fun too. It's so funny that you mentioned that you're the set of teeth. Yeah. Um, now, cause it was, you know, I, I was talking with my wife. She wanted to know who we we're having on tonight. She's like, Oh, that's the teeth guy. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so. I don't know. It makes some people really mad. I don't know why. Uh, I've been called everything from, uh, I don't know. Some people say it's I'm trying to make it my brand, which is if I was trying to make it a brand, I doubt I, that would. It's not like I'm selling T-shirts. Right. Uh, and then other people who call me unprofessional for it. And I'm like, it's a Twitter account. Like I, nobody's paying me for my Twitter account. Right. You, know, you, don't even, you don't even have the check. You haven't even paid eight dollars for that check. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or 20 or whatever it ends up being. Whatever stupid but, uh, thing it's going to be. Yeah. Right. So I, I mean, I don't know why it may, I, I think the main thing that makes people mad is the Reddit people. I guess it shows up large on their screen. So that's, I, I don't know. It seems the Reddit uh, people I've found are never happy about anything. I think like, the, inter- the internet as a whole can tend to be never yeah. there. You know, I think if you find the good people and that's the, uh, that's the good thing, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it comes with the territory, I guess. I, I don't know why people get so bent out of shape about it. It's just, <laughs> a little tribute to my son and uh, who's a hockey player himself and uh, did not lose his teeth that way. He actually, uh, I was joking with him the other day, his braces got paid off yesterday. So he still has them on, but they're paid off. So uh, maybe when the braces come off, I'll change it. It'll just be this big sparkling smile. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> right. You'll be able, it's almost like you're, uh, you're going to charge the orthodontist for a little bit of a, uh ad revenue for the that's what i should have done is put a banner for them on there yeah yeah that's what i'll do i'll talk to them and say uh (laughs) yeah can we you know we went from this to this a before and after i'm not only the president i'm also a client kind of thing right so So. we're we're a little ways into the season now um and the hurricanes have played i'd say a good mix of teams some some really good teams some not very good teams as we saw in seattle but like, what are some of your biggest takeaways? Like, just to start the year, I, I don't know that it's all put together yet. I think it's they're still kind of working things out, and you know, uh, I think there there's a a quick panic threshold right now for some of the fan base about you know when things aren't going right necessarily. Uh, but there are some things that are going right. I mean, I said this on Twitter the other day, but could could things have gone better with Martin Natchez to have him? on a reasonable a reasonable deal for the next two years when they are essentially you know in the the center of their of their window to compete right for a championship like it feels like right now is the next few years are really the you know you've got Aho under contract you've got Svechnikov all of that um so it, for him to have this kind of season that he's he's put together so far if that continues and it continues the next year uh, it really opens a window for them to have another star player on a reasonable contract. You know, we, you know, we talked about in the past, you know, the Bruins and and the Avalanche have these guys that, you know, took, took less money, guys like Pasternak and McKinnon. And now, you know, because of that, they were able to be surrounded with better players and, I think that's been a, a a huge thing for me for for me watching the team is seeing his development and the way he's played with uh with Natchez and with Kokinemi who you know people are going to balk at the numbers but I think he's played well maybe not the last couple games but 
Um, yeah, you know, I think it's, it's all working things out and things are going to get harder this month. I was looking at the schedule and, uh, there's a lot of tough games up Colorado twice, uh, Tampa, uh, coming up tomorrow on Thursday, uh, depending on when you're listening to this. It's probably and, not going uh, to Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so the hurricanes, and then we'll just leave a blank spot and people can <laughs> fill it in later. Um, but there's a, you know, a couple, a couple games, uh, coming up that are against tougher opponents. Boston's in there too, who's had a good start. So we'll learn more this month. You know, I, I, everything hasn't gone perfectly by any means, but I think they'll, they'll be fine. And, it, you know, working in some new guys and working out some kinks with some guys that maybe aren't off to a great start, but I, I haven't had problem with their start to the season. It could be better, but it certainly could be worse. If you look around the league, you know, Toronto being a, a prime example. And even Nashville, who was a playoff <laughs> team, I think they're last in the standings right now. Yeah, everybody got really hyped for Nashville after uh, after their trip overseas and then realized that San Jose is uh, maybe not the greatest team in the world either. So um, mistakes, right. They have so, more wins in Europe than they do in North America this year. Yeah, <laughs> That's they could do the Jaguars thing and, and uh, play <laughs> half their games in Europe. Right. All right. So. You get you did just mention a little bit. Some guys definitely aren't off to the best of starts, and there is one guy in particular we did want to bring up just a little bit, and that's Tabo Teravainen. I was actually on Kane's corner the other day, and Adam Gold asked me this question. I'm going to turn around and ask it to you. What is your worry level right now with Tabo Teravainen? Uh, I, I don't worry about him. I mean, he's the body language isn't good right now. You watch him at practice, um, and you see he's kind of hanging his head a little bit. And this has happened before, you know, it's not the first time he's gone into a funk and I had people speculating he's hurt and all that. He's not hurt. He's fine. I mean, everything, according to him out of his mouth, he's fine. Um, But you know, he's in a funk right now and it happens. It happens to everyone. And uh, I don't think anybody thinks that that table is going to be like that for the whole season. And actually I was at practice today and talking to a couple other people there and, uh, I thought he had his best practice that he's had uh, all season today. Um, so on, on Wednesday, so we'll see what uh, we'll see again. This, if this comes out after Thursday, we'll see if I'm right. And I'll look really smart if, uh, <laughs> if he has a big game uh, against Tampa, but it felt like maybe, maybe he's turning a corner, but, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. If Taylor scores a hat trick, you heard it here first. Right. <laughs> I kind of said the same thing, but it's, I mean, it goes back. Confidence is such a funny thing in this game. And and it's like, we saw it with last year with Martin Natchez, kind of the entire season, things just snowballed for him. And I think that may be a little bit the difference between a younger player like Natchez is and more of a veteran guy that's been around for a few years, like Tara Bynum. Like at some point things are going to click for him and he's such a good two-way player and so important to this team. Obviously the sooner the better with his upcoming schedule we already talked about. Yeah, and I mean, I I feel like his play has maybe dragged down Seth Jarvis's play a little bit. So, uh, you know, I thought Seth started the season really well, and then uh, he's been kind of invisible the, the last uh, week and a half or so. And Ajo, I think, has been playing fine. But if you've got uh, you know, a couple guys on your wings who aren't uh, who aren't particularly playing well, it's tough. So, uh, to Rod's credit, you know, you look at the ice time and the way it's been spread out, and when those guys aren't going, they're not playing as much. So, I mean, he we got through two periods the other night and the fourth line had played more than the Ajo line at, at five on five. Uh, granted there was a lot of penalties and whatnot, but still uh, it was interesting to see that, uh, you know, he's leaning pretty heavily on 
uh, on the Kokinemi line. And then the stall line's obviously playing on its mind right now. So, yeah. I do want to talk, you know, we, this offseason was kind of one of those things where we kept thinking, you know, is Jalen Chatfield really going to make this team better? Is, is he going to be more than a seventh defenseman? Because, I mean, we saw a handful, I think it was 16 games last year where he played fine in a depth role, but it seems like this year he for almost forced the Hurricanes to put him into the lineup because of how well he played. And I don't believe he's been taken out of any games so far. He may have missed one. No. But no. it just seems like even though his ice time has been fairly limited, he's still putting together a hell of a night every single game. I was actually just looking at this today, and I mean, his underlying numbers are through the roof, and he's actually kind of been the victim of circumstance a bit. Him and Dahan have both had really good starts to the year before, you know, before Calvin got hurt, but uh, their underlying numbers are are fantastic. Um, and they've just, for whatever reason, the, the shooting percentage for and the, you know, the PDO is not good for them. So uh, I would expect better things from them. And I mean, it, you know, Jalen doesn't have any, I don't think he has any points yet. Um, you know, might be minus two at this point or something like that. Um, so you look at those numbers, kind of the same thing with Kokinemi. Look at those numbers and you say, well, he's not doing anything, blah, blah, blah. But if you're watching like you guys are, and like I am, uh, he's all over the place. And I mean, they're playing well when he's out there, they, you know, had their moments, but everybody does where they get hemmed in a little bit. And I think he's played better with, uh, with Dahan than he has with Coglin. Um, but the good thing about Chatfield is with both those guys, I, I think Dahan's a fine skater for who he is. And, uh, Coglin, not the greatest skater in the world. Chatfield's all over the place, acceleration, effort, all of that. I, it makes a huge difference when, um, you know, maybe your, your, your partner isn't as quick, you know, to have that guy who can, you know, we see Jacob Slavin all the time, cover up for, for his guy. Uh, but, uh, seeing Chatfield, you know, he's, he's got an endless, endless motor. And I, I talked to him, uh, during the preseason and I, I said to him, you know, it's pretty short off season. Did you get to do anything? And he's like, I took like a week off and then I got back to work. He's like, all I want to do is play hockey. So the kid loves to play hockey, loves to put work in. You know how a guy like Rod feels about that. Oh yeah. Uh, when you know when Jalen chops hops over the boards, you know it's it's 120 miles an hour all the time. You know 110. percent So you know uh, you know similar to to Stevie Lawrence. You know Rod loves those guys that had to earn their way through. I know, I know, I, I miss Stevie. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for him to come back and say hey. We do him, too. Trust us. <laughs> he's a he's a great kid. I, I was watching the game last night against Anaheim, and he had a wide open net, and he double clutched at it, and Stolarts came over and uh, and made a huge glove save on him, and they zoomed right in on his face, and I was like, oh, I felt bad for Stevie. He had a goal right there, and <laughs> he got robbed. Oh, so, poor guy. Uh, he's the best. Yeah, such a good but- dude. I love the point you made about, you know, how even though Chatfield and Kokaniemi, although the last few games we can kind of forget for him, you you watch the games and you realize they're making plays. Kokaniemi has been really good at getting the puck to Natchez and Svechnikov. He's entering the zone with a ton of power. He's able to draw that extra skater that leaves Martin Natchez with just a ton of room to make plays. Jalen Chatfield has had to cover up for some of Dylan Coughlin's defensive inefficiencies, has broken up a couple two-on-ones, 
Um, I think it was against Philly. He got left out for a three on one, which was one of the goals against, which was one of his minuses. But and that was a that was a bad change by Coglin there too. Changed, yeah, that's yeah. Changed, changed with the puck right next to the bench. I was the play was right there at the yeah yeah yeah. Broke stick at first, so apparently it didn't. It's... He just got off. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> But you, but you, again, you watch the game and you see Chatfield and you're like, yeah, he doesn't have any points, but he's saving goals for the Hurricanes. He's getting involved in the play. He's not the best shooter, but he's generating these offensive chances. And eventually that's going to break through. So he's been one of the more encouraging players. I do think the team does miss DeHaan's reliability in mm-hmm. a sense, but when DeHaan's in the lineup, you kind of miss having a weapon on your second power play. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, Pesh can can do that back there, but it's not his bread and butter. And, um, you know, I would think in way in the future now, but when the trade deadline comes along, obviously, you know, Pacioretty should be back by then, you know, barring any kind of, you know, misstep in his recovery. And they've everyone's already talking about that's the big addition, blah, blah, blah. But you know, if there's one thing that they could they could use if Coglin can't carve out a spot there on on the second power play unit, it's maybe another guy to run a power play back there. Um, so you know, I I you know, Arizona's already, you know, there's already buzz about Shane Goss despair in Arizona and things like that. And uh obviously uh, John Klingberg has been linked to here so many times, uh, and he signed a one year deal in Anaheim basically as a you know, kind of the the Taylor Hall special of I'm going to sign one year and then, you know, trade me to a contender for the playoffs. And I think that's what will happen with him. So there's going to be guys out there that they can look at in that role. But you'd like to see Coglin, you know, uh, figure that out a little bit. But at even strength, there hasn't been a whole lot there so far. So I'm curious to see uh, see what happens going forward and if they uh, if they still kind of rotate those two or if Dahan kind of gets a, a bit of a stranglehold on that on that number six spot. So, I mean, the power play has been, I mean, during the road trip, it was pretty good. I think a lot of folks zoomed in on the four-minute power play at the end of the Calgary game as the reason to get mad. But prior Understand, to that, that was a bad power play, bro. <laughs> it, it was bad, but they had scored power play goals, and I believe each of the previous two games mm-hmm. and had done done so twice against San or not San Jose Seattle and I think once or twice against Edmonton as well. So, you know, it's looking okay, but I think, you know, right now a lot of fans are wondering, you know, what's wrong with the power play? What's wrong with the power play? Fire Jeff Daniels, which is we were talking about this before. He doesn't run the power play. Poor Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> he 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 quite literally like he I would love to have him like just pull out the line of I just work here. Catching <laughs> <I can> strays. <laughs> but um, Corey, yeah. why is it your fault that the power play is doing poorly? It's all my it's all my fault. I well I, I made this point I think last week and it's you know there are elite power plays out there. You know, you look at Edmonton, you know, usually Boston, uh Colorado's power play was elite last year. There are power plays out there that are good almost all the time. And those are great expectations to have. I think, you know, there's talent on this team and you'd hope that that talent translates to goals on the power play, but let's be honest. There are two or three uh, power plays that I think we would agree are consistently good year after year. And even Boston's last year, wasn't that good in the regular season. It was actually worse than the hurricanes, but you, I mean, we, but you know, once you put Marshawn and Bergeron and Pasternak out there together with McAvoy, that good things are going to happen. Right. And 
Um, you know, it's just been a the history of that team. And so there are those teams, but pretty much everyone else is going to be somewhere in the middle. And I feel like if as long as you're around the top half of the league, you're doing what you can to, you know, make your team good on the on the power play. The hard thing for the Hurricanes has been is they don't get that many power plays. I mean, last year was a nightmare as far as getting calls to go their way. Um, for whatever reason, I actually highlighted today on Twitter that Andre Svechnikov has drawn seven penalties already this year. And maybe maybe he's finally getting a little bit of that respect that will lead to more power plays throughout the whole year. But yeah, I mean, it hasn't been great, but it hasn't been terrible either. We're not talking a power play that's at, you know, 8% or something like that or, or 7%. It's it's been okay. Now you want it to come through in big moments. You want it to come through in overtime. You know when you have when yeah. you have a power play. Uh, the you know Coglin and Burns the other night. You know blasting away. You know I asked Rod about it right off the hop. I was like, you know that you know you all, everyone says you want to score, you know on a two man advantage, but uh, you know you didn't. But and he said, yeah, I couldn't. You know you can't ask for anything more than that. Is you had your chances, you hit the post. I mean, sometimes it doesn't go in and there's going to be other times where, you know, Stefan Nason had to be pulling his hair out uh, the other night when he had three whacks at it in front of the net and it didn't go. And he had to be thinking, what do I got to do to get one? He turns around, sets up in the slide, redirects one and gets one to go. So uh, I think it's been okay. I mean, it, it's a lot of this, I think could go back to Tara Vinen too, is that him not going to start the year led to him being demoted to that second, power play unit and Jarvis also got pulled off the top unit. Natchez is blowing up obviously. Um, so it'll be interesting to see once table gets his game back, if maybe uh, you know, he comes back in and he's more of a facilitator on that top power play. But you know, when the hurricanes won the cup in 06, their power play wasn't particularly good in the regular season. I think it was, I, I want to say 17th in the league that year. It wasn't great. I mean, and then in the playoffs, they totally went off and had, you know, I think we're the second best power play in the playoffs that year. So as long as you're in the middle, you get hot at the right time, good things happen. So, right. uh, you know, one team I didn't mention, New York, obviously, a, a good power play all the time. Yeah, teams. that and Shesterkin was the only reason they made the playoffs last year. Right, right. So and mid-Easter Conference American Finals because of it. Yeah, Same I mean, really. even strength, the Rangers were one of the worst teams in the league last year. It shows you, you know, power play gets hot at the right time. And if it stays hot, that could be the difference. And I don't um, know that, that that team got better this year either. I almost, yeah. I mean, uh, Trocek's a fine player. Um, I think he's an upgrade on Dylan Strom. Is he a huge upgrade? No, not really. I mean, he's he's fine. Um, but uh, then they lost all their trade deadline. I right. But then all the guys that kind of got them moving at the end of the year last year left. So, you know, Vetrano and Andrew Kopp and guys like that, they lost those guys. And, you know, we'll see if guys like Lafreniere and Kako can step up and you know, be bigger parts of that team. Everyone raved about Lafreniere in the playoffs last year. And I was like, well, he looks like a third line agitator to me. He wasn't, right. he didn't play out of his mind. He certainly didn't live up to New York. Right. And he, but he didn't live up to first overall draft pick status to me, but uh, we'll see, you know, like, but like you said, having a really good power play solves a lot of things. So. Well, I like the point you brought up just about Tara Vinan, because I do think he is such a vital part. You know, one of the biggest part, problems with the hurricanes power play to me as an outside observer it just seems like there's a lack of flow in the zone guys aren't moving they're stagnant they're stationary and the puck movement's slow because of that 
Like, and then they try to force some seam passes that often get broken up. And I, I didn't even really think about the fact that Tara Vinen is like probably the best passer on the team. He's mm-hmm. not on the unit right now. And that's, right. that's probably one thing that could just naturally help the, that unit get going. Well, so just kind of building off of that, I mean, we were just talking about the Rangers, so I'll bring them up. What killed the Hurricanes in that series was the fact that the Rangers moved around constantly, kept the Canes defenders moving. And so all of a sudden, the Canes defenders are leaving these players wide open on the back door. There you go. (laughs) And they, they have those players that can pass and finish but if you've got a wide open net and you're uncontested you don't need a guy who's gonna finish at a high rate you just need somebody who can hit the net on like yes Barry Kokaniemi who I think it was you that said once he figures out he doesn't need to shoot at top shelf every time he'll be great <laughs> I think the Hurricanes if they get the defense moving which they haven't for years they can they can open up that space. They have the guys that are skilled enough to make those plays. But if the defense isn't standing or is just standing there, a they're not getting tired, and b they don't really have to work all that hard to get in the shooting and passing lanes. And I think Easy that's been defend. the Canes fans' most frustrating or the biggest point of frustration is the fact that the defense doesn't have to work very hard to block the shots or the passes just predictable one-timers yeah yeah well, everybody I, knows we're gonna get the puck to brent burns <laughs> or right. Dylan, one of the two he uh you know the uh the thing that really kind of makes me a little crazy about the whole conversation is i i don't even know that it was the rangers power play that i mean the the, the hurricanes power play that sunk them in the rangers series it was the fact the penalty kill kind of fell apart and it actually hasn't been particularly good yet this year. Now we're um, going to go next. <laughs> all right. Well, um, you know, now I wonder, does Calvin DeHaan give you that little bit of a, maybe a Ian Cole kind of stability? Um, I don't know that Brent Burns has been great killing penalties so far. Uh, it's a little weird to me that they've kept him and Slavin together. Um, it might just be to get him used to the system and have a guy that can bail him out. But uh, I, w- I wonder if what we're going to see eventually is uh, is Calvin kind of sliding into that uh, Ian Cole role on the on the penalty kill. Yeah. And, I mean, the personnel is pretty much, you know, it's a little different. You mentioned Ian Cole, Vincent Trocek's gone. But for a lot of the main penalty killers on this team, the guys that are really important to that unit, Brett Pesci, Brady Shea, Jacob Slavin, Jordan Stahl, like a lot of those guys are back. So, maybe it's just kind of small sample size struggles, but you mentioned that it kind of fell apart during the Rangers series last year too. It was one of the big reasons they got sent home. So I feel like it is one thing that if nothing else, at least bears watching for the next, you know, few weeks, months, whatever the case may be. For sure. Yeah. All right, guys, we are going to take just a quick break and get a word from our friends over at DraftKings. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again, and thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. You can buy multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more, and you can get your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and you'll get $200 in free bets if they do. 
That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you get our podcast for important details. So this week, the team uh, obviously traded Ethan Bear to Vancouver along with Lane Peterson in exchange for a fifth round pick. Obviously, it doesn't seem like the biggest move in the grand scheme of things, just getting a fifth round pick for Ethan Bear. But can you kind of break down the like the circumstances around it and, you know, maybe some positives for the Hurricanes moving forward? Well, I mean, you want to you want to do right by a guy and give him a chance. And having eight defensemen is tough. Um, and it was, you know, I wrote about it for my athletic piece today. It was the whole reason Jordan Martinuk went on waivers was because they thought they could get something for Ethan Bear. You know, they've been wanting to move him. You know, they had to do a little bit of cap maneuvering there to to get to the top of their LTIR pool. And so Martinuk ends up going on waivers instead of Bear because they figure if they put Bear on waivers, they're probably going to lose him. So when you think that you're going to lose a guy for nothing, uh, you want to get something for him, right? And so tough situation for him. I, I do feel bad for him. I think he's a really good guy. And, uh, you know, but after the COVID thing and after he was stuck in San Jose for, for a week, for more than a week, it just never came back together for him last season. And uh, you know, he, I think maybe what he said was a little misconstrued about him saying he never felt like he got back, you know, got his, his, his wind back after that. And I think people immediately assumed he had long COVID and uh, I never got, that impression from anyone is that that's what happened to him last year. I did get the impression from Rod that maybe he wasn't in the greatest shape in the world. And I think that's been a knock on him in the past. And we know how that goes over here. It's like a lead balloon to not be in good shape. Uh, And then you come into this year and we talked about Chatfield. He shows up, he blows the doors off. Coughlin has a really good preseason. You know, he had the Andrew Hutchinson Memorial preseason of, uh, putting up tons of points in the, in the preseason. And hopefully he can, uh, for his sake, he can, he can build off that and not become a, the second version of that. But um, so tough situation there. You've, you know, he's maybe lost the, the, the eye of the coaches there and you want to get something back for him. And, but he makes a kind of a lot of money. So um, they're able to, to shed him and that gives them a, a little bit of breathing room. And uh, Lane Peterson, I guess, you know, not much there uh, so far with him. And the fact that he's on a one-way deal, you know, you can, you know, I I saw people today saying that was about, you know, the Hurricanes are cheap. They didn't want to pay him. It's like, well, if you're not going to use a guy, you know, why, why would you, you know, it's the, you know. uh, That narrative still exists. Oh, it's going to exist till the end of time, Brandon. If if people can dump on a Southern hockey market, they absolutely will. (laughs) Well, I just figured they'd come up with something new by now. But no, no, because that takes work. They're not the most creative folk, are they? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, you just you find a new home for them and you kind of move on. And I, you know, I think it was kind of hanging over the team a little bit. It's not great to have a guy. He was he was about to be scratched for the 21st straight game. That's a lot of healthy scratches in a row, you know, all 14 playoff games and then six in the regular season. And then right before his seventh, you know, they finally ship him out to Vancouver. And uh, it's kind of funny to me in a way that they let Chatfield get away and then they end up with bear. And in that swap, I think the hurricanes take it, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. Maybe. 
I think I saw, last, I saw last night, you know, with he collects the puck with a few seconds remaining in the period and all of Vancouver's players are skating off the ice to go for the thing. And he's just like, come on guys, really? But you see his arms go up and he's like, really? Somebody in that thread was like, oh, well, why does this matter? And the person replied with Brady Kachuk almost tying the game with like a second left in the second period. And I said, like the final seconds of the game matter. Right. So, you know, props to Bear for calling out, you know, his team for being kind of lazy. But yeah, it definitely isn't good when, like you said, he was about to be scratched for 21 games. Yeah, but you wish him well. I mean, like I said, good guy. He's stand-up guy who would, you know, you asked him about it and he was he was forthright about it. And um, you know, I know he's getting married soon and he's got a baby on the way, so you just uh hope he finds a little stability in his career that can translate over to his uh his personal life and he figures it out and Lord, uh the Canucks need defense, so he should get an opportunity. They need a lot of things. <laughs> Probably the last question we got for you. We do appreciate you coming on once again, but alongside Martin Natchez, he has a little bit of a wingman going with him this year, and that is Andrei Svechnikov, who is also off to a fantastic start. Now, I've honestly said probably since he got here that I think he could be the most singularly talented player this franchise has ever had. I think he could be an all-time, at least team great, one of the best Hurricanes of all time. Do you buy into his start or do you kind of think maybe it's something he has been, I don't want to say streaky, but he's gotten off to really good starts in the past too. And things start not going his way. You talked about the penalties earlier. Maybe he's starting to get those and maybe that could be a factor in why this is actually something that could be more consistent this year and last an entire 82 game. So just early season thoughts on Andre Svechnikov and the great start he's had. Well, you're right. He's been absolutely amazing. I mean, I think, you know, there have been times where he's taken over shifts and games, uh, really just dominant, dominant player uh, at times. Uh, The one thing I would temper is I don't know that Andrei Svechnikov is a, you know, 50 goal scorer. He has the ability to score goals, but he's also a spectacular passer. And, uh, you know, we know he's his play away from the puck has improved so much and he's an all out effort guy all the time. So even if he finishes the season with 35 goals after having nine, I think, you know, once those, you know, and and maybe this goes back to our power play discussion earlier is once the top power play unit gets going, I think maybe we start to see him getting more assists and that may not be as flashy and as wonderful as, you know, Alex Ovechkin scoring 55 or 60 goals or, or, or Austin Matthews scoring, probably 80 this year or something (laughs) or McDavid the way he's going. But um, I think, uh, you know, I think that's the one thing I would temper is I don't expect him to have a necessarily a 50 goal season. I think a 40 goal season could happen and uh, he's got all the talent to do it. But the thing I would really keep an eye on is he's such a good passer that, um, you know, I think Martin Natchez is going to, if they, if they continue to play together is going to benefit from that. And, uh, so just an amazing start to the year. And he had that last year too, but he's kept it going a little longer this year. So we'll see what happens. He certainly has the potential if he wants to be a guy who shoots more and, and does that to, um, to, you know, get to 50 goals or something like that. But I don't necessarily see him as a sniper, so to speak. You know, I think he's more of a complete player and 
you know, he, Sebastian Ajo is the same way, you know, Sebastian Ajo has 40 goal potential and he also has hundred point potential. So um, I think that's the interesting thing to watch with him. If he decides he wants to be a goal scorer, you know, I, I don't think he'll ever be like Patrick line. Like Patrick line is the kind of guy. Anytime he has the puck on his stick, you're just like, uh Oh, now Svech has had that kind of start to the year, but he's, he's not on that level, I would say, mm-hmm. but Line A doesn't bring the other things that Svechnikov brings every night, uh, you know, to your point. You, you mentioned Brady Kachuk, and I saw – I really like Corey Pronman's work at The Athletic. I, I really admire the way he does his work, but he did his redraft of that draft, and he he put Brady Kachuk first, Svechnikov second, Quinn Hughes third, and Rasmus Dahlin fourth. And this was before Dahlin lost his mind this season and scored six goals in his first <laughs> eight or nine games. But to me, the order is Svechnikov, Darlene, and then we can talk about Brady Kachuk and and Quinn Hughes and, and things like that. But, um, you know, I think Svechnikov is an immense talent and just uh, maybe doesn't get the, the credit he deserves compared to a guy playing in a, a Canadian market that... Uh, I was just about to ask, I was going to say, this might get you in trouble, but do you ever think that there's a bias towards you know like do you ever feel like hurricanes players don't get the recognition that they sometimes deserve but on the other hand i will give Corey. um i was about to say lavalette that's you Corey pronman Pronman (laughs) some credit he did rank seth jarvis second in his 2020 redraft which obviously you know we're two years removed from that probably half of those first round picks are either just now breaking into the league or haven't yet um, so it's not like he underrated Svechnikov. I just, I wonder that, you know, sometimes all of the good that Svechnikov does, if it, since it doesn't always show up on the score sheet, if it maybe gets a little overlooked. Well, and I think, you know, what I just talked about is I don't think enough people outside of this market that don't watch a lot of hurricanes don't realize what a good all around player he is, what a good passer he is, all those things they see big Russian guy with nine goals and they think he's Ovechkin 2.0. And that's, that's not what Andre is. Now he has elements of Ovechkin's game. Certainly, you know, he's physical and uh, can take over games and things like that, but he's a different kind of player. And so, I mean, I think that gets lost a little bit. And then, you know, Brady Kachuk is going to be a icon in Canada just because he's a throwback type guy. And I mean, I guess if in this day and age, you want your, one of your top players, sitting out for five minutes for fighting okay but you know I don't think I don't think that's what he's I don't think he's doing the best for his team when he's doing that yeah so um to me it's Svechnikov's a a superior player but uh not that there's anything wrong with Brady Kachuk you take him all day but I'd take I'd take the other brother before I took before I took that brother so yeah yeah if I'm starting a team from scratch like even if I don't already have Jacob Slavin as a number one D man, and you give me the list of those players, I'm taking Spetch a hundred times out of a hundred. I'm sorry, but yeah, maybe that's personal bias a little bit too. You know, well, I mean, we know, I mean, we know what his work ethic is like too. We know yeah. he's, you know, he's a team guy. He's not a me guy, and I'm not saying any of the other other guys are. But what we know about Andre is he's a he's a team guy who loves to, you know work at his game work at his game be in the weight room all those things we know he's not gonna he's not gonna be unsuccessful because he doesn't try we know that for sure 
Well, Corey, we really want to thank you for coming on the podcast this week. Um, this is your time. Plug anything you've got going on. Obviously, we know you just had an article come out today as we're recording this about Jordan Martinuk. Um, but if there's anything you've got coming up or where can the people follow you? Yeah, so um, obviously you can follow me on Twitter at Corey Love. I uh, write for North State Journal, so you can uh, read my stuff there. And then uh, weekly at The Athletic right now, uh, got you mentioned Jordan Martinuk article, which uh, uh, I think came out pretty good with him uh, opening up a little about how tough it was to, to go through waivers. And then uh, Brenda Moore really opening up about what he thinks about people who criticize Martinuk getting uh, – getting a shot. And uh, if you could have seen the look in Rod's eyes when I brought that up, uh, you know, if you want to see a fiery guy, <laughs> ask, ask, I, don't, uh, I don't think I want to see that. Ask, I'm not gonna ask lie. Rod Brindamore about why are you putting Jordan Martinuck in the top six or asking or, or mention Jordan Stahl as a checking center. Those are the two things. If you ever want to, <laughs> if you ever want to really get Rod going, those would be the two things that, uh, <laughs> that you can really get them. But, uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate all those guys being, uh, you know, forthright with me about that. And uh, uh, it's been fun. It's been fun to do that stuff and write a little more long form at The Athletic and then, uh, you know, keeping up with the day-to-day stuff at the at North State Journal. So We appreciate you. Keep up the awesome work. Till next time. Huge thank you to Corey Lavalette for coming on the podcast. I, Corey is – I've said this before. We're so lucky to have him on the beat. Got to really talk to him during the prospect showcase and he's just a good guy in addition to a really good writer. So huge thanks to Corey for coming on again. Folks, really all we got for you tonight after, after that interview, I mean, we, we covered the bulk of the things that there are to talk about. We've talked about the power play. We've talked about, you know, the, the penalty kill. We've talked about Jalen Chatfield, Andre Svechnikov, Martin Natchez, what's going on with Tavo Teravine. And, you know, there's been a lot to talk about in Canesland. But it's also time to talk about the Chicago Wolves. We talked about them a bit last weekend um, or last week when we met. And the Wolves just lost two straight games. They got beat pretty badly by Rockford. Um, And then the other night, they gave up 50 shots to Milwaukee and ended up losing that game in overtime. It's The Wolves are a team, and I, I said this on Twitter, they're still trying to find a lot of their chemistry. They're getting really good scoring from some of their depth players. Like Josh Melnick is on an AHL deal. He's been phenomenal. Tuka Tiexla has, I think, four points in six games. Um, Jamison Reese, while playing in a higher role, has had a good year. But other than that, and Anthony Honka, too. I do actually, while while we're here, I did see, you know, who was it that went down during a game the other day? Um, some one of the Canes players got hurt in the game. It might have been like Stasny or Stepan. Yeah. I think it was Stepan. Stepan. Yeah, and I, I made the joke on Twitter. I said, "By golly, that's Jamison Reese's music." And somebody replied, "I think Drury would be first. Probably, probably, but I, I also, I will say, Jack Drury has been very disappointing to start the year." offensively defensively I will say he made a couple of really good plays against Milwaukee but he's just his line last year with Josh Levo and Stefan Nason was special and I'm not saying that Drury's production was a result of playing with those two players but he doesn't have the same level of chemistry with Ryan Dezingle and whoever else was on his line 
gonna be honest, that line has been pretty invisible. So I'd like to see him and Reese together. I think it'd be fun, but I think also Reese has been really good with oh god, who was he with? I don't even remember who he was with last game, but he he he's been really good. Reese has been good. I think Panamarov and Passion have both connected for opportunities, but Passion's timing is still just a little bit off in the North American ice. He's still getting used to that. Panamarov is making a lot of really smart plays defensively and on the penalty kill, but again, it's just like they're not quite connecting. They just lack some chemistry, and I think it's going to happen. Stuff, right? Like that, I don't think that's an alarm bell at all. And I think no, even, and it's a young team, right? A, even with Drury, I just think maybe you know not making the team got to him a little bit. You know, you got to take something like that into account, or just guys start slow. Like it happens. Yeah, and I mean, if we, we get to, you know, December and he's still not showing anything offensively, I'll start to worry a little. But for now, jury's going to be fine, in my opinion. There's a handful of players, uh, really. And when I say handful, I mean a handful of players on this year's Wolves team that were on the team for the full season last year. On okay. defense, you have Max Lejoie. That's it. Kevin Fitzgerald as well. Although I think he's hurt. I don't think he's played in a single game yet. Jack Drury. Stelio Matheos, but even then he was in and out of the lineup. Jamison Reese, and we've yet to see him play, but Ryan Suzuki. So those are the only players that have been on the Wolves roster. So it's a team that's still trying to find its identity. They're still trying to figure out how to work with one another. Like, I've seen improvements. David Ferentz was really bad in the first couple of games. He still makes a lot of defensive mistakes, but offensively he's been a bigger threat. I think Lagason has been really good with um, Ronan Seeley. Seeley's been quiet offensively, but I actually have really liked his play. Um, but then, you know, you've got some guys... I think, you know, Blake Murray being in the AHL lineup consistently will be good for him. I haven't seen anything from Mackenzie McEachern this year. I will say he has been hurt recently. Brendan Perlini is decent, but all he does is shoot the puck. And if he's not the shooting the puck. overall pick, man. Wasn't he 10th? I think it was 10th. He was 12th, okay. I want to say. Former yes. top pick. <laughs> he was 12th and... He is a hell of a shot, but he misses the net a lot and can't pass. <laughs> so that's been a problem. Basically, Max Pacioretty, man. Call him up till mm-hmm. Patrick gets back. <laughs> that was well, a joke, by the I, way. I, please I please know. don't guess. That's me just imitating background noise. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, new coach, young team. Kind of what we expected, right? No big surprises. We're seeing some good things from some of those young players that are promising for the future. Again, I, this is what I've said all along. I'm really excited to see where this team is a few months from now as opposed to right now, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, we're we're getting we're getting glimpses of good things. Like Tuki Tiexla, I think might be one of the top leading scoring wolves. I will say those points that he has um have been like the one point in the game where he's been able to make something happen. For the rest of the game, he's been kind of quiet. Like, he'll be kind of invisible. And then all of a sudden, he'll make a really great pass, and then the player will bury it because TXL is a phenomenal passer. So I'd like to see more consistency from him. 
Passion's growing more comfortable, and I think that's going to be big for his line. But again, it's it's one of those things where it's going to take time to um, really get this team into game form. Kane's prospect Alexander Nikishin was named the KHL's best defenseman for the month of October. It means the second month in a row where Nikishin has actually won the best defenseman. So oh, he's just the best defenseman, right? He's he's the best defenseman in the KHL, and I can say that with without parallel. Um, I believe there's one defenseman that's outscoring him right now, and that player does not do any of the things that Nikishin does in the defensive or neutral zones. Nikishin is great in all three zones. His skating has improved. He's using his physicality as a way to close off offense as opposed to just hit people for the hell of it. <laughs> which granted is hilarious but now there's a there's a purpose to it and there's just not a thing that he can't do he can play on your power play he can be a net front presence if you want him to he can join the rush he's just the all-around best defenseman in the khl and he's 21 which is absurd he just turned 21 <sighs> matt i have two questions i have two answers i hope you do well, one, when's he coming over? <laughs> His contract ends April 30th, 2025. I think I have probably told people this like no less than 300 times on Twitter. I know, but 2025 is so long, man. That That's... is a long way away, but if you think about it, he's playing in one of the league, one of the world's top leagues and getting top pairing minutes, which means when he comes to North America, he will have been a top pairing defenseman for three years. Does he come to North America though? I hope he does. I don't want to say I think he does because that's gonna that's gonna mean that you know whoever's running the prospects account in 2025 when I'm inevitably you know <laughs> moving on in an NHL front office. Yeah, uh, that person's mentions are gonna be a dumpster fire because of the the seeds that I have sown. So I'm going to say I hope so, so as to be non-committal. Yeah. But I mean, all right. So when we first started watching him, we loved him pretty quickly, you know, and it was mostly just defensive stuff. You know, there was like flashes of offense. And I think I heard you on many occasions say there's offense to give. Like he makes these little plays that make you, you know, bat an eye and think there's something there, you know. And now we're seeing this. Like, what is your opinion on the ceiling of Alexander Nikishin? So he he's not going to be like a Brent Burns type offensive juggernaut where like your expectation is like 50, 60 points, but you're not expecting, I'm not expecting a Nikishin to be like a Norris candidate. You know, I don't even know if Nikishin's a top pairing defenseman. I think somebody the other day, oh my God, I, I saw this in my mentions and I didn't even have time to like glance at it, but I saw it was like this will make losing jacob slavin at the end of his contract a lot easier and i'm like what jesus christ what like nikishin's not on the same level as slay i i I hope that nikishin is as good as jacob slavin i think that would be a game changer for the hurricanes right well no shit dude having like another like absolutely elite top pairing defenseman obviously yeah (laughs) The the thing with Nikishin is you can reasonably expect 30 to 
40 points with how he if his playmaking improves i will say he's still not the best passer he has a great shot but again you're not scoring from the point at the nhl level so i don't know 30 points is like my comfort zone here i'm saying like at his best you're getting 30 points from akishan i think with defensively i mean you might be able to get he can play on the power play he can play on the penalty kill i think you know he may not be a top pairing guy but he's going to be a very good second pairing defenseman if he makes it to the nhl um he's he's just such a good player man i I can't say enough about him. And, you know, when, when I first started watching Nikishin, you, you saw the I, the first thing that stood out to me was obviously the physicality. And the next thing was, like, the fact that he his skating and what he can do with the puck is something that I don't see in other defensemen that are 6'3", 6'4". You know, he's a big defenseman that skates effortless, effortlessly and moves the puck and, you know, can can toe drag can you know make these nice shot fakes can do all these sorts of things with the puck and most big defensemen can't do that and not to pile onto this but narrative but you know who you're kind of describing right jacob slavin (laughs) ah damn it no but like see slavin slavin's better defensively right i will say they're totally different players defensively Slavin relies on his stick and positioning more than anything. Nikishin and his unbelievable acceleration and skating ability. Yeah. Nikishin is going to harass you and beat the hell out of you in the defensive zone. He's physical, rugged. He can block shots. He can Kane's need that guy, man. Like he's such a perfect fit. Like he would be so he's... perfect. You you're the the first to mention that the Canes need somebody to stick up for teammates. <laughs> he's the guy. I'm not even talking up. about that. I'm talking about just. I'm but no, I'm guy. saying like he, he's not an enforcer. But like right. you're not fucking with the Hurricanes when Nikishin's on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just you know I, I sorry, really, Grandpa. Sorry, I know, but like it's no, true. Okay. You are not messing with the Hurricanes when Nikishin's on the ice if he if he plays for the Hurricanes. Again, I'm being non-committal. I hope he does, man. And the fact that I'm being non-committal is going to mean that I'm going to get a mention from somebody saying like, "Matt, why isn't Nikishin signing now?" And I'm like, oh, <laughs> "Look what I've done to myself." You can't win, man. Yeah, no, I've just I've given up. The last thing I want to talk about for for podcast, hello Brandon. The last thing <laughs> I want to talk about on this podcast is just a, a little bit of prospect news that surfaced today. Um, apparently, Patrick Pistola has signed a one year extension with Eucharit in Finland. Um, it's not the biggest deal yet because um, the Hurricanes have until June first of twenty twenty three to sign. Puistola, otherwise they lose his signing rights. He becomes a UFA, and any NHL team can sign him. Um, the fact that it's a one-year extension could just mean that, you know, he signs an NHL deal with the Hurricanes, he's loaned out to Finland for a year, and comes over and plays after that. You know, that that's possible. Um, again, there's really no cause to con- for concern. Like, 
last year when Lenny Keelanen did that, I was like, okay, Lenny Keelanen has done nothing since he was drafted by the Hurricanes. So, like, that didn't surprise me, you know? But this one with Pistola, I mean, he's got nine points in 17 games to start the year. Still, his play has been very streaky. Allegedly, he only had 13 seconds of ice time in today's game, which tells me he may have gotten hurt. <laughs> like as soon as his first shift started. Apparently. Yeah, that's that's like we're we're getting into James Wisniewski territory here. Jesus. Um, that that may also just be Elite Prospects hasn't updated yet. But his ice time has been fairly limited this year, and he just hasn't produced as much as I would have liked. You know, right now he's on pace for 32 points in 60 games, but that's not, those aren't numbers that get me excited about a prospect coming from Finland, you know? Right. So that'll be, it'll be something to keep an eye on. I'm not saying, I'm not going to say that, you know, the door is closed on him signing. But it's definitely a development that makes you wonder, you know, what the Hurricanes see in Puistola. Right. And with that, folks, I think we're done for the week. Folks, we want to thank you so much for tuning in this week. Thanks again to Corey Lavalette for coming on the podcast. Yes, the power play has struggled a little bit early on, folks, but I promise you it's going to be okay. Folks, it is still a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. 